All right, so Matt, how much does a pirate pay for his piercings? Uh, I don't know. A buccaneer. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's pretty good. That was a good one. <laughs> I, I like that one myself. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Well, I'm pretty good, man. How about you? I'm doing good. For those of you watching the video, our, our $10 patrons, you can see that Matt has a new background. Uh, check it out. Amanda, I, I posted this in the group that Amanda was helping me kind of remodel, and uh, this is how far we've gotten. So... I, I dig it, man. I like it. I dig it. Yeah, I like it. She did a great job. Yep. She she built my backdrop, essentially. It's, it's not essentially. She totally did it. It's almost too professional looking for our dumbasses. <laughs> you know. Hey, I'm telling you what, uh, if if quarantine has, has had any positives, <laughs> it, it has improved our construction skill. Right, right. I mean, uh, Amanda has built a table. She has built a chair. I mean, and they look good. I mean, yep. they're 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 out on the patio. I mean, people show up, and I'm like, Amanda, Amanda built this chair. Yep. Like, it's, what? What do you mean? She built it from scratch. She yeah. bought the wood and built a chair, and then built this table. It's funny. We <laughs> it's we did basically the same thing. <laughs> we built that uh, cinder block bench out back. Um, just cinder blocks that you basically glue together and then put uh, four by fours in and make a bench out of it. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we built a table, but it's kind of a table hideaway because it hides our um, fire pit that we got out back. It sets over top of that so that we can, you know, use it or hide it away. So, yeah, definitely uh, the quarantine has it's probably for a lot of people brought the home improvement tinkering to a yeah. whole new level. You know, some guys, you know, they, you know, they, they, they take their lady out, you know, they, they buy them, you know, a, a piece of jewelry, you know, maybe they, they buy them a new outfit or, you know, they, they, they take them somewhere special. I bought Amanda a miter saw. There you go. And, and, and she was ecstatic. Hey, there you go. <laughs> You know, you buy for that's what kind, they want. That's my kind of woman, exactly. Y'all. You buy for what they want. You know, <laughs> not everybody wants a diamond ring. Some, <laughs> some want home craft projects. So. That's right. That's right. So, real quick, we want to direct y'all to podbelly.com. Go check out the Podbelly Network. Uh, you can find other shows to listen to, or you can find ways and new ways to record a podcast and get yourself going. Um, we have been seeing some new reviews pop up, um, so thank you for the new reviews. Um, if you have not given us a review, please do that. Um, it helps bring us up in the charts, um, and we're in a couple different um, iTunes charts, and it helps bring us up 
to where people will see us more and the better visibility brings more people into the graveyard. So that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And if you don't think it helps, if you don't think it helps, just know this, that Graveyard Tales is in the top 10 in our category in certain other countries. Yes. Um, and so that is amazing. It does help. You know, and and it, we couldn't do it without your reviews. That's exactly right. And, you know, like like I said, you know, you can you can say, hey, we really like the show is a hey, these two clowns are ridiculous. <laughs> you can like we've had a banana bread recipe. Yeah. Yep. This just the review and the rating gets it works with the algorithm. I, don't ask me to explain it. Did you but see the just one, Matt? You guys taking the time to do it, it helps. Yeah. Did you see the one that was like, it was five star review, but then they said, good Lord, they've got faces for radio. I was like, <laughs> you know what? That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You wrote something, that's fine. <laughs> we've, and we've said that all along. So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we wanted to real quick let you guys know that this uh, this episode's dropping at the very beginning of our anniversary month for the show. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in upcoming episodes, but we wanted to thank you guys for, you know, helping us get to three years. So yeah. it's crazy that we've been doing this for three years, but here we are. That's right. Three years and Welcome. counting. Welcome. Welcome to Rocktober. <laughs> oh wait, that's yeah, that's that's that was that was the other show. Yeah, that, that'll <laughs> that that might uh, cross some FCC boundaries or something like that. I know, I know. I know. Um, we want to let you guys know we are considering on October thirtieth. It's a Friday, doing a live stream on Facebook. Um, we don't know the exact time yet. We'll figure that out and we'll say it in a different. Uh, a different episode before then, and we'll post about it on Facebook. But, you know, if you can join, yeah. fantastic. We'll be reading out comments and questions and talking with y'all. We, you know, it's going to be highly interactive if you can make it. It's on a Friday night, um, right yeah. before Halloween. Exactly. And, you know, if you can't, if you can't make it to the live thing, it will be saved and you can go back and watch it later. So um, just remember, uh, you know, set your clocks or your count, set a calendar. How do you set a calendar? Anyway, set your <laughs> calendar for October 30th uh, in the evening and we'll let you know what time later. We've had several people ask already um, about our holiday episodes, our Christmas episodes, and if we're doing listener stories. We want to say absolutely we are. Um, that's yeah. a Graveyard Tales tradition, and we wouldn't miss doing that. Um, the only way we would miss doing that is if nobody sent in stories. Yeah. So that's the only way we would not do it. Um, but if you have a story that you want us to read on this holiday episode, it'll be in December, but we need to go ahead and get started collecting stories now. Go ahead and email it to us at graveyardtalespodcast at gmail.com and write us your story. Tell us what it is and put in the subject holiday episode or Christmas episode or listener story episode, something like that, so that we can find it. We get a lot of emails a day, so it, it's yeah. good to, you know, I can search for it in that way. Yeah, and and for those of you that are new to the show, and, welcome, and maybe, first of all. May, yeah. <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome to the graveyard. 
but uh, what we do, and we, we started this the very first uh, first year we had a show, um, we are we are bringing back the tradition of the old Victorian tradition of telling ghost stories uh, at the fireplace on Christmas Eve. And so your stories can be personal experiences. They can be, you know, a, a story that maybe somebody told you. They can be 100% fiction. They can be something yep. you found on the internet you thought was cool. They can be one you wrote yourself. And we've had all of that. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and you guys were amazing this past Christmas. I mean, we were just inundated with awesome stories mm-hmm. i think last year was was the best christmas show we had done yep and we we would love to try to top it again this year so yeah i mean please you know get those stories in and um you know give us enough that we got to make it a two-parter i mean there you, you go know, we'll we'll do them yeah so <laughs> we'll do uh we'll do a two-parter for that one if you guys send in enough stories and speaking of stories um you know we've got some new friends and we would like to point you in the direction of their show and if you're looking for some extra scares this halloween or any time really then you need to check out the horror podcast scared to death they've got over 50 hours and counting of demonic possessions haunting shadow people black-eyed children alien abductions and a whole lot more and as horror lover dan cummings he 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 likes to try to scare his wife Lindsay. Um, with these two new supposedly true tales each week, so it's very fun to listen to, and go. You need to go check it out. Yeah, and and Lindsay tries to get back at Dan by coming up with even scarier stories, and they share at least two listener submitted encounters uh, of the paranormal, um, which is often the scariest part of the show. You know, so yeah. so if if you if you're really needing a little bit of extra scare when you get done with graveyard tales. You know, check out Scared to Death. They have new episodes every Tuesday night uh, that they drop right before midnight Pacific time. And you can find them anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can also watch their show on YouTube. So go check them out. Like I said, new friends to the show. Uh, so go check out Scared to Death. Right. And as they say, get scared to death. Okay, let's take a second and talk about tonight's sponsor, BetterHelp. Now, is there something interfering with your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving your goals? And I know right now, all of us have something. I mean, you know, nobody right now is really fully okay with the way the world is and everything that's going on. And it's okay to not be okay. But BetterHelp will assess your needs, and will match you with your own licensed professional therapist. So they assess what you want, and they pick the therapist that will work best for you, which is amazing. It, it expedites that process of you trying to find a therapist yourself. Now, you can start communicating in under 48 hours. And remember, it's not a crisis line, and it's not a self-help line. This is professional counseling, and it's done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. So that's true. If in your small town, you don't have a professional counselor that maybe fits your specific needs, they have one here and they can do it 
online securely with you. And the service is actually available for clients worldwide. So not just in the U.S. If you're listening to us outside the U.S., you can still take advantage of this. Yeah, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. And you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. That's great. Yeah, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp really wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash great. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So if you're a professional counselor and this is something that you would interest you, check out BetterHelp. They're looking for people with the expertise that you have. Mm-hmm. So the special offer for Graveyard Tales listeners, you can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, that's betterhelp.com slash grave, G-R-A-V-E. That's right. Again, for Graveyard Tales listeners, you can get 10% off your first month. All you got to do is go to betterhelp.com, that's betterhelp.com slash grave, G-R-A-V-E. So on that note, Matt, Ours isn't really scary per se this week, but why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, Matt? Okay, so tonight, like Adam said, what we're talking about is not all, not really all that scary, but it is fascinating. I mean, it is just, it's one of these topics that if you don't know a lot about, you've probably heard it or you've seen the movie and you're just like, well, ah, that's kind of crazy, uh, but it, it is, and, and we've actually touched on this in the other episode, and I went back and listened to it, and we did say, you know, hey, we can make an entire show just about this, and we've had people ask us directly for this topic. Yep. Well, here it is. We're making good on our promise. Tonight, we are going to discuss the ins and outs of the Philadelphia experiment. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a good one. And so if you, if you are unfamiliar with this, then you're going to love it. And and if you've heard of it or if you've read any books about it, because there's You'll a probably ton hate there. this. No, I'm <laughs> you, may, you, may, you may hate it. It's going to be a snooze fest. No, you're, you're going to enjoy it because we may touch on some things that you hadn't you hadn't heard, because there is literally a ton of information from, you know, did this happen? Is it a hoax? It really happened. The government knows how to do this. And it's just like mm-hmm. your mind is just going, whoa. <laughs> so we're we're gonna we're gonna hit it pretty hard tonight. And uh and this is this is gonna be a fun one. I mean, this is one of those topics that uh, you know, it, it goes in every direction. So Oh yeah. 
So let's let's rock and roll. So tell us, Adam, tell tell us about the uh, the Philadelphia experiment. All right. So the Philadelphia experiment is a supposed military experiment that was conducted by the United States Navy on October 28th, 1943 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And as we always say, go check out our links in the show notes. You can find links to our sources and you can see where we got the information and you can maybe do a little bit deeper dive than what we had time to do here. Well, the ship that was involved in the experiment was supposedly the USS Eldridge. Now, the story originated from Morris K. Jessup, and he had a, a book that was published about unidentified flying objects after receiving two letters from a Carlos Miguel Allende in 1955. Now, Allende claimed to have seen a secret Second World War experiment conducted at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. Now, Jessup dismissed Miguel's tales and kind of labeled him as a crackpot in the beginning. And the Philadelphia experiment was also featured in the book Invisible Horizons, Two Mysteries of the Sea, written by Vincent Gaddis in 1963. So this story has been around a lot. You oh, know, yeah. It, the story was popularized by Charles Berlitz, who wrote a book on the topic in 1979. Um, the tale was adapted into a movie, The Philadelphia Experiment, which was directed by Raphael Stewart in 1984. Uh, the version of the story portrayed in the film was supported in 1990 by Alfred Bailick or Bailick. Um, I'm going with I'm going with with Bilek. Bilek. I, that's, that's what I called him in the in the past show. So so we'll, uh, we'll stick with Bilek. I've I heard would, it pronounced about three different ways. Yeah. So well, that, that's why I would I've heard Bilek, Bilek, and Bilek, and yeah. I I don't know which one's actually correct. But um, he was a self proclaimed survivor of the Philadelphia experiment, and Matt will talk about him a little more. Oh yeah, a little later. And he's he's a character. Yeah, yeah. and Matt's got a surprise patreon episode for us that'll come out pretty shortly after this episode that goes a little further into him so what actually happened now this comes from we are the mighty.com and it says according to legend on october 28th 1943 the uss eldridge a cannon class destroyer escort was conducting top secret experiments designed to win command of the oceans against the axis powers the rumor was that the government was creating technology that would render naval ships invisible to enemy radar, and there in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard, it was time to test it out. So witnesses, some say several hundred people actually, uh, claim an eerie green-blue green glow surrounded the hull of the ship as her generator spun up, and then suddenly, the Eldridge disappeared. The ship was then seen... What? Go. Go, go. I'm just <laughs> chuckling because you're like, you, the way you said that, I love it. It says, the Eldridge disappeared. Yeah, it it's disappeared. A, it's a ship. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a ship. I well, mean, it's it's a whole dead gum ship, and it vanished according to these hundreds of witnesses. Yeah. Google search the USS Eldridge and see how big it is. Yeah. It, it's huge. Well, the ship was then seen in Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia before disappearing again and reappearing back in Philadelphia. 
So not only did it disappear, it transported. It transported. Yeah. Transported supposedly to Norfolk and then back to Philadelphia. Now, the legend states that classified military documents reported that the Eldridge crew were affected by the events in disturbing ways. Some, they say, went insane. Others developed mysterious illness, but others still were said to have been fused with the ship, still alive, but their limbs were sealed to the metal. Ah, so, so, like, your arm is stuck in a metal wall. Yeah. and, and It's we, crazy. We talked about this particular thing in the our time travel episode mm-hmm. where... If, if we're theoretically believing that time travel is possible and you, you're thinking your, your molecules have to be broken down and right. then reassembled where you go. I mean, you're not just like, it's not like getting in, you know, getting on a train and being like, take me to 1927. Mm-hmm. And then you show up, you know, it, it, if you're if you're going based on all of the different theories of how it may be possible, it it pretty much breaks you apart and sticks you back together. Yeah. So the down idea to the atomic is, level, like yeah, to, to your atoms and then moves the atoms. So if you're with something or touching or holding something, and it's putting you back together, mm-hmm. then it might think that it's got molecules from all of you but it might be something else yep and so it just says okay and sticks you all back together and then you show up and you've got you know a, yeah. a blender for a hand or something right right and which would would be kind of cool you'd be like margarita man yeah in, in a way it'd be cool you know but you couldn't <laughs> scratch places that you would want to scratch with a blender hand <laughs> Um, and uh, I, yeah, I'd realized I'd, yeah. <laughs> I realized I said that it moved the atoms and I, I need to clarify for some people who will probably argue with me. The theory is not that it m- breaks you down to the molecular level and then moves those molecules and then reassembles them. The theory is that it breaks you down, but it understands the code to put you back together and in the destination spot it gathers all those molecules and puts them together in the same form that you were in in the previous location. Right. So it doesn't yeah. actually move your molecule, molecules. It rebuilds you theoretically in the new place. So yeah. that's why, you know, you theoretically could, you know, be half in a wall and half out because it's just kind of rebuilding you as it thought uh, mm-hmm. the best way it knows how. But then... This is not in any of our notes, Matt, but I have to bring this up because we're talking about it. If you get teleported, okay, are you still you? Because you get dispersed and then put back together over here with different molecules. Okay, right. you you come out same on the other side. You still think like Matt. You still look like Matt, sorry, but you do. Um, but <laughs> are yeah. you still the same Matt? You know, or are you different because it's different molecules? And that's a conundrum that people have had for a while is if we start teleporting and it works this way, are we still the same person that we were before we teleported? Yeah. Like, remember, remember the movie, The Fly? Vaguely. You know, how, how Jeff Goldblum had this 
I, of course, I know the original was Vincent Price, but okay. But <laughs> you know that it does a good job in the in the modern version that came out sometime in the eighties, um, where he's got essentially these these pods that he can get in and teleport from one to the other, and a fly gets in there with him. And yeah. of course, when it reassembles his molecules, it it has all the flies' molecules too, and it just kind of says, yeah. Yep. Okay. You're you're all the same thing. Right, right. There you go. So, you know, that's that's kind of ha- that's kind of what we're talking about with this and what Adam's talking about, you know, if if you were somehow spliced with a fly, then you're not the same person. Right. Right. You're you're half human and maybe, I don't know, three sixteenths fly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, like the uh fly bart episode yeah. of uh Treehouse of Horrors. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what the other you would be because I realize that three sixteenths and and half are not the same. You know they don't <laughs> yeah, well, you know add up, but you know eh, it worked. We're <laughs> you man, get what I'm saying. This is a paranormal show, not a math show. <laughs> if you want a math show, go listen to something by PBS. That's not us. That's it. <laughs> so this article says that after that, perhaps that is why no U.S. ships currently have invisibility cloaks and teleportation devices. Or do they? Uh. Because I have a story later that might say differently, and I'm really excited to get to that. But for now, let's let's go on through this. Uh, I'm 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 waiting with bated breath. Yes, it smells like worms and minnows. Yes, yes, so, <laughs> it's baited. <laughs> but Carlos, it's a stink bait, which it, it's true. I've woken true. up with that breath before. Yeah. Right. Now, Carlos Allende wrote a detailed description of the event, along with claims that he was a witness aboard the SS Andrew Furuseth when the USS Eldridge arrived in Norfolk, Virginia. Now, he sent the description to the U.S. Navy's Office of Naval Research. In the 1950s, the unified field theory, which has never been proven, attempted to merge Einstein's general theory of relativity with electromagnetism. In fact, Allende claimed to have been taught by Einstein himself and could prove the unified field theory based on events he witnessed on October 28, 1943. So what is the unified field theory? Well, Albert Einstein coined the term unified field theory, which describes any attempt to unify the fundamental forces of physics between elementary particles into a single theoretical framework. Now, Einstein spent the latter part of his life searching for such a unified field theory, but was unsuccessful. Now, some specific theories that attempt to unify quantum physics with general relativity include quantum gravity, string theory, which we've we've touched on string we've theory, I think, on, on um, loop quantum gravity, the theory of everything, and supersymmetry. Now, unified field theory is highly theoretical. And to date, there is no absolute evidence that it is possible to unify gravity with the other forces. History has shown that other forces could be combined, and many physicists are willing to devote their lives, careers, and reputations to the attempt to show that gravity, too, can be expressed quantum mechanically. The consequences of such a discovery, of course, cannot be fully known until a viable theory is proven by experimental evidence. Now, that's a lot to take in. Yeah. So, Matt, can you yeah. dumb that down so, for all of us? Yeah, so let's make the whole unified field theory a, a wee bit simpler. 
and and how it specifically were, would pertain to the Philadelphia experiment. Now, when we see an object, we're seeing it because light is bouncing off of it. So if you're in a dark room and you can't see a Lego in the floor, it's not because it's not there or it has been rendered invisible because your barefoot stepping on it ensures that it's indeed there. Yep. It's because there's no light reflecting off of it. So if you shine a light on it, you see it and then cuss that the kids can't pick up their toys. But what if there was a way to bend the light so that it did not hit and reflect off of the Lego, but instead it went around it. So theoretically, if it reflected no light, we would not see it, Mm -hmm. thus rendering it invisible. Again, this was Einstein's unified field theory. Okay? This is just a theory. You know, we don't know that that's what would happen, but, you know, based on the theory, that's what would potentially happen. Right. You know, so that kind of makes it, well, it made it simpler for me. I mean, you know, some of you guys might be going, you guys are so stupid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I'm like, look, you know, th- this this kind of stuff, when I started reading about unified field theory, I'm like, oh, geez, you know. Yeah. Well, and, you know, think about it in the way Matt explained it. Think about astrophysics. We can't see a black hole and we can't see things past a black hole, right? But the gravitational field of the black hole actually bends light around it and we're able to see universes and stuff past it because gravitational lensing causes the light to bend around and come around to where we can see it. We're not seeing through it, but we're seeing what's behind it because it lensed around. So in a way, that's kind of this unified field theory that Matt's, you know, talking about bending the light around something. And that's what when people talk about invisibility cloaks and stuff, it's not really that you're rendering invisible. It's you're seeing projecting what's behind the object in front of the object so that it looks like the object's not there. And that's basically what we're talking about in this, is that they were trying to figure out a way to make the USS Eldridge invisible to ships. And, you know, so they didn't get bombed or shot. And so they were trying to bend the light in a way that you saw what was behind it and instead of seeing it. Right. Hey there, it's Desdemona. I'm here to let you know that I have a YouTube channel now so you can listen to me talk about all my favorite books and podcasts while watching me draw weird stuff. I'm on all the platforms as Desdemona, D-E-S-D-Y-M-O-N-A. So that's, and, and you know, like Adam said, that's what they were trying to do is, is to make the ship invisible or at least appear to be invisible. Um, but according to the story, they did so much more, right? Not not only did the ship disappear, it teleported to Norfolk, Virginia, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that, that wasn't in, that wasn't in the plan. Yeah. That wasn't in the theory. At least, at least according to what they, the story says they were 
trying to do. Right. Quote, unquote. <laughs> the official theory of it. Right. So let's get back to Jessup and Alinde. Um, Alinde claimed that he saw the Eldridge disappear from the Philadelphia Navy, Naval Yard, and he further insisted that the U.S. military had conducted what he called the Philadelphia Experiment and was trying to cover it up. Jessup was then contacted by the Navy's Office of Naval Research, who had received a package containing Jessup's book with annotations claiming that extraterrestrial technology allowed the U.S. government to make breakthroughs in unified field theory. Now, this is one of the weirdest details. The annotations were designed to look like they were written by three different authors. One, possibly extraterrestrial. Well, according to Jacques Vallée's article for the Journal of Scientific Exploration, Jessup became obsessed with Allende's revelations, and the disturbed researcher would take his own life in 1959. It wasn't until 1980 that proof of Allende's forgery would be made available. Yeah, so essentially the annotations were from Allende and a Mr. A and mm-hmm. a Mr. B. Right. But as they as they continued to investigate the Mr. Book, a was alien. Just right. So everybody knows. Mr. Alien. But they were saying that it looked like all of the the annotations were in the same hand, mm-hmm. maybe using a different pen or maybe trying to disguise handwriting from one Go to the with other. The left hand. Yeah. You know, you know. Um, so, you know, once they kind of figured that out, then then it then it became obvious that, you know, this was this was a forged piece of work. Right. In, a, in an effort to facilitate the idea that this this really did happen and that the government had this technology and were were hiding it essentially and had created this big cover up to to cover up what they had what they had done right and and, and in theory that was so that the Soviet Union would not have access to this kind of technology or even know that it existed mm-hmm. you know so yeah, you know, the government says, whoa, it worked. Oh, crap. Everybody saw it. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, or, or too many people saw it. How do we um, fix this? Yeah. And, and now we've got these people that are fused to the whole. What the hell are we going to do? Um, so we're, we're going to have to deny that we had any, any involvement with this whatsoever. That it, it, this is 100% did not happen. Not, right. oh, it was this or oh, it was that. That You know, the Navy just kind of said, yeah, we don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> and you get that answer a lot uh, when you, yeah. you know, before things become declassified, you get the, I don't know, that didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know, you start talking about it and sooner or later, you're, you're going to get a question that it's going to trip you up. You're, you're going to say something that contradicts something you've said before. Mm-hmm. Or it's gonna it's gonna cause you to inadvertently reveal something that you didn't mean to reveal, which is which is just gonna prompt more questions. So you know, I I, I get it. If let let's pretend for a minute that this is one hundred percent real and it absolutely happened, I understand the the Navy's perspective of yeah, we we just can't tell everybody that we sure. did this. Sure, <laughs> you know. Okay, so. 
now that you know you know you know what the experiment was, you know how the story had perpetuated itself, um, you know throughout the years, and it, and it built into what it has become. There's another key figure that Adam mentioned earlier in the story of the Philadelphia experiment, and and his name is is Al. Uh, what did we decide? Is it is it Bilek? <laughs> Go with that. We're yeah. going with Bilek. Okay, so. So Al Bilek, um, he like I said, man, this guy is a character. Okay, in 1988, Bilek watched the movie The Philadelphia Experiment with his family. Now, the movie was promoted as being based on a true story, but nobody really believed that it happened, other than Al. Mm-hmm. Now, the film had an effect on him that ultimately changed his life. Now, months after watching the movie, he still couldn't shake this idea and of, of this happening and the unsettled feeling that he had. Now, Bilek says as soon as the movie ended, he started to experience these intense, strange flashbacks. Now, Bilek would eventually seek the help of therapists to, to deal with the flashbacks and began to uncover repressed memory. Now, he also enlisted the help of some psychics, which, you know, that, that may or may not help his case. Um, but in 1990, two years after he saw the movie, he began to tell this bizarre story, beginning with the fact that he wasn't even really Al Bilek that he was actually Edward Cameron and was born in 1916. So, so Bilek, Edward Cameron at the time, was reportedly on board the Eldridge with his brother, Cameron's brother, um, when the experiment took place. Now, as the green glow began to engulf the ship, the frightened Bilek and his brother jumped overboard. Now, here's where it really gets weird. Now, Bilek explains this as they fell, they expected to meet the water and possibly their death. But instead, they just kept falling. Eventually, he explains, he, they woke up in a hospital bed next to one another. In separate beds. <laughs> the way I wrote that out, I was like, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. If in my head, they're laying in the same bed. No, they were They were, they were, they were spooning. In, they were in the in same hospital beds. beds, but they were next to one another. <laughs> and they had both had suffered radiation burns all over their bodies. Hmm. Now, Al learned that he was no longer in the year 1943 and that he had traveled through time to the year 2137. But he said he they were in pretty bad shape. And he said they they were in hospitals for about a month. And he says that's when he began asking questions, and he says the answers that he got were not very comforting. He said things were much different. Almost all of the West Coast and the, and the Southeast were underwater, and the United States was unrecognizable. He said Atlanta was next to the coastline, and Florida was completely gone. After only six weeks in the year 2137, Al would inexplicably travel again. And 
He can't recall how, but he just knows that he did. But this time, he went to the year 2749. Now, that's a big jump. Yeah, yeah, that that's a huge jump. I mean, you know, we're talking about, you know, 600 years from where he was, which was already a couple hundred years from where he had been. Now, Bilek said he learned that there were two massive wars, one between Russia and China and the other between the U.S. and Europe. And these wars had wiped out entire cities across the globe, shrinking the world population from 7.7 billion to a mere 300 million. Hmm. Now, Al would learn of many other changes, uh, which... I detail in our episode on time travel. So if you want to hear more about what Al Bilek experienced in 2137 and in uh, 2749, go and listen to our time travel episode. Right. Um, It's it's really fascinating, all the things and the changes that that Bilek explains that had taken place not just in the United States, but all over the world, changes in government, currency. Yeah, it is bizarre. And and we dig pretty deep into it on that episode. But Al's story doesn't necessarily stop with that. There's even more that gets, I mean, even even more bizarre, if you can imagine. Uh, And we're going to talk about that on a on a special Patreon that, as Adam said at the beginning of the show, is going to drop after this show so that if if you dig this, you can go and listen to even more um, mm-hmm. uh, of Bilek's story. And he covers kind of how this began. I mean, we're, we're talking about things like, you know, Nikola Tesla's involvement, uh, Project Montauk. Um, all this, you, you've probably heard of, you know, I know you've heard of Tesla and you've probably heard mm-hmm. of Montauk because of its relationship to the story in the show Stranger Things. Yeah, you know, and Project Montauk is wild. Yeah. So if, if you want to hear more, uh, you know, it's essentially, you know, a whole nother tangent that we couldn't include in this show. Um, but, you know, check out that Patreon episode after this one drops. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've, we've thrown a lot at you. So this, this whole idea is that the government was working on a way to make a ship invisible um, to other ships and to torpedoes um, and, and somehow came up with technology that would teleport a ship from uh, Philadelphia to Norfolk. And the story has survived, even though it, it seems absolutely unimaginable that that this could have happened it, it, now much yeah. less in 1943 right right so so adam let's let's touch on some theories about what people say could have really happened all right you know if 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 this if if we can't get our heads around the idea that that not only was the 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 eldridge rendered invisible but it it actually traveled you know, through time, ending up in another location, and then came back. What what do we think might have happened if anything happened at all? Okay. So, 
according to Edward Dudgeon, who served uh, in the Navy aboard the USS Engstrom, which was actually dry docked in the Philadelphia Naval Yard while the El- while the Eldridge was, um, according to to Dudgeon, both ships did indeed have classified devices on board. Now, he says they were not invisibility cloaks or teleportation uh, devices. That's a bummer. Yeah, but instead, they were designed to scramble the magnetic signatures of the ships using a degaussing technique, mm-hmm. which, which provided protection from the magnetic torpedoes that were aboard U-boats. Now, if, if you've heard that term degaussing, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a way to produce a magnetic field um, that, you know, if, if you're if you're uh, into computers and stuff, you know, you know, you can you can use like a large degaussing magnet to completely wipe a hard drive mm-hmm. to where, you know, they're like, you know, and, and it's gone, yeah. you know, because it's really hard to even even physically destroy a hard drive and not leave data behind. Sure. You know, so um, some of these these large degaussing devices, you know, are are used for, you know, absolutely destroying, um, you know, d- computerized documents or or classified information. Um, once it's once it's done, or it, you know, you can't keep it on this because it's too uh, it's too risky. You know, it's it's easily hacked or something like that. But in this case, uh, they were trying to figure out a way to protect it from these magnetic torpedoes. So the ship was wrapped in large cables and zapped with high-voltage charges. So a, a degaussed ship wouldn't be invisible to radar or to the naked eye, but it would be undetectable by magnetic torpedoes. Right. So the Philadelphia Inquirer, which whenever I see Inquirer, I always like, hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> it reported in 1999 on a reunion of sailors who served on the USS Eldridge um, with the reunion taking place in Atlantic City. The sailors said the ship never docked in Philadelphia at all. That it actually was in Brooklyn on the supposed date of the disappearance. And hmm. the ship's log confirm this further the captain said no experiments were ever conducted aboard the eldridge now conspiracy theories dismissed this by simply saying that it's too easy to doctor a logbook of any kind sure. which is something we learned in the movie a few good men you know <laughs> you, could, you could doctor a logbook you know yeah um, i mean logbook is someone writing it down it's not right. like a gps tracker or yeah. anything. It's just someone writing down after the fact what happened. So, you know, looking at this theory, Adam, you know, we we've got we've got two two conflicting things here. We've got naval officers saying that you know, look, we we were working on this top secret stuff, but it wasn't, you know, some teleportation device. It it wasn't an invisibility cloak. It was simply mm-hmm. a way to make the ship quote unquote invisible to torpedoes right you know 
like this, you know, not even the stealth bomber technology. I mean, it wasn't even. Because the stealth bomber came out the following year. Yeah. Like in 1944. Right. And it, and it was, but it wasn't even undetectable to radar. They could see it on radar. Mm-hmm. But when they launch one of those torpedoes from a U-boat, you know, it, it's it's finding a, a magnetic signature and it's it's going that direction. If they could somehow cloak the magnetic signature, then it would be invisible to the torpedo. Right. But somebody standing on another ship is going to look and go, hey, look, there's a ship. You know, yeah. It's not right. invisible. But then you get this conflict from people that actually served on the Eldridge saying none of this happened at all. I mean, it's it's a 100% fabrication from the idea that they were doing these experiments on the ship to the fact that it was in Philadelphia. You know, then they're saying, you know, hey, you know, we got a logbook that says it was in Brooklyn and we can remember mm-hmm. that it was in Brooklyn. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. And I mean, so, for a little bit after 1943 i could see them holding that up if they were working on the top secret technology and they didn't want it getting out they could say yeah sure we weren't even there you know don't know what you're talking about even if it's not this teleportation time travel invisibility thing if it's just that top secret degaussing of the ship they don't want any of the axis powers knowing that they're working on that Right. So I could see them changing logs and telling people, no, we were not there. You say we were here doing this. We weren't there doing this test. Yeah. So I, I could see that both both stories could be theoretically true, mm-hmm. you know, because they would change the logs to say, no, we were out yeah. in Boston or in Brooklyn or whatever and not in Philadelphia, but they actually were in Philadelphia. They were working on secret technology, just not the secret technology that uh, Alinde says they had. Yeah, but we're talking about 1999. Right. That's a long way after. Would it it have still been protected, you know, like that? I wouldn't think so, yeah. I wouldn't either because, you know, it's like we would have, no. Would would we have moved on beyond teleportation technology? No. Um, And if that was the case, then yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, if it's truly just, if it's truly just a, uh, as according to Dudgeon, um, a device that would that would hide its magnetic signature, then why would that be protected now? Mm-hmm. But conspiracy theorists have an have an answer for that too, because of the the trauma that was experienced aboard the Eldridge when it reappeared. All of the the crew were brainwashed, you know, by the government so that not only would they not recall any of the the horrors that they would have experienced when they came back, but they couldn't give it up. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they couldn't be, you know, tortured into talking about it or slip up and say something to the press or go home and tell their wives or their girlfriends or their kids when they're, you know, and then, then all of a sudden the story's out. So it's kind of an easy explanation, but it's not, it's not one that we haven't seen before. I mean, right. Right. You know, it's, you know, debriefing sometimes means brainwashing so that you can't talk about it. Exactly. 
Now, let's talk about the green glow that was reported around the ship. Now, how stuff works suggested that the green glow that was reported by witnesses that day could have been explained by an electrical storm or St. Elmo's fire. Which St. Elmo's fire. Which which is more than a, a really a really good eighties movie. <laughs> it's an actual weather phenomena in which yeah. plasma is recreated in a strong electric field which gives off this bright glow almost like fire. They say um, it would happen on ship's masts sometimes at the top of the mast the during like pirate days or whatever if they were uh you know sailing through a storm mm-hmm. that sail would pick up that charge and you would see St. Elmo's fire at the top of the mast. Yeah. I can see St. Elmo's fire burning in me. <laughs> There's people out there like in their 20s going, what the hell what? are they talking yeah. about? <laughs> well, and we're going to have to cut out all, both of us singing because it'll just <laughs> detract from our listens. <laughs> That's right. They were like, don't listen to this show. They sing and they're terrible. Yep. No, you don't want to hear it. <laughs> now, let's uh, let's talk about another theory. There was an idea that somehow the Eldridge was able to get from Philadelphia to Norfolk the old-fashioned way, it walked. It, it walked there. <laughs> it, it traveled there. It just yeah. went there. Um, but how? How could it do that? Well, the inland canals connect Norfolk to Philadelphia that would allow a ship to travel between the two cities in a few hours. Now, these canals were off limits to public or commercial vehicles. So it was reasonable to expect that a clear pathway um, between the two cities without any potential witnesses that could claim they had seen the Eldridge around that time uh, would be possible. That's what I was about to ask is, okay, if you're going through there, what about people not necessarily in boats, but on the shores? Would there not be somebody on the shore? That's a big boat. That's right. You, you don't think anybody's going to see that from, I mean, what, a mile away, even on the land? If you can see the horizon up to that point, you're not going to see this weird, you know, battleship coming down the canal and you're going, what is going on? And and that's I kind of thought that too, Adam, because we're talking about 1943 on the east coast of the United States. We're not talking about, you know, rural Wyoming or Montana. Where right. maybe maybe a few buffalo saw the shit, yeah, but they ain't talking, right? We're talking about you know a canal that would run from Philadelphia to to Virginia. I mean, you you think dr- go, grab a map, take a ruler, and and just draw a straight line from Philadelphia to Norfolk, Virginia, and then look at that, and then see where it would pass, even if mm-hmm. it if it's gonna be curvy and wavy. See where it would go. And you tell me that during a six-hour trip, nobody would have seen a dead exactly. you know, battleship, essentially. Yep. Cannon-class tra- battleship. Tra- traveling, yep. you know, along this inland canal. And somebody would go, why is there a battleship in the canal? We know that no boats are supposed to be there. It's off limits. So why is there a boat on yeah. the, you know? 
So either way you look at this theory, I think it's it's I think it's dumb. I mean, yeah, plus it, I took, it would have taken six hours. Yeah, I mean, I don't like that theory. It, I, so twelve hours total, six to get to Norfolk, and then six to go back before somebody saw it back in Philadelphia. Yeah, so so you, you, you the know, next day potentially. You, you know what happens in twelve hours, right? A whole lot. Sunset. Yeah. So it it would be probably dark when the Eldridge would make it back to the harbor in Philadelphia. Right. And so that's how many people are going to see it then. Yeah. That, that kind of kills the whole idea of, Oh, it's back. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole thing is, is, Oh, it's going to come back quickly. Yeah. You know, several hundred witnesses said it came back quickly. Yeah. Supposedly. So so I, I, you know, even if you think that this is a hoax or it, you know, it never actually happened. The the idea to say this is how they pulled it off sounds far fetched at best. Some somebody yeah, somebody would have seen something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't think this was how they would have done it. I don't, I don't think this was even plausible. I think this was just kind of pitched out there. Um, but you know it it is it is a theory. So we're gonna talk about it. You know we talk about the dumb theories just like we talk about the good ones. Um. But it just, it just to me didn't seem like that was going to be a way you know, that it was going to work. Yeah. So, you know, the other, the, the other big theory hanging over this is that it's just a hoax. And that the book that, um, that, w- that was sent and, and annotated the, to Jessup uh, by Carlos Allende, um, it was just a way to push this hoax or this legend even further, you know, to, to, you know, really add some, some depth and breadth to this idea that it really happened. And the U S government had this technology and still has it. Mm-hmm. And even this idea that, you know, when you talk about the book and the idea that Mr. A was an alien, that it was technology that was given to them by aliens. You know, so right. so not only not only are we talking about the idea that they were able to complete this unified field theory and that not only did it make the ship invisible, but it teleported it through time from one location to another but that all of that technology was made available to us by aliens. So, I mean, it really, it, it really gets far-fetched. But Yeah, this was back even before the Roswell crash. Right. So, you know, a lot of people say our technology took off after the Roswell crash because we back-engineered from whatever downed ship there was in, in Roswell. Well, if we're... We would either have to get this directly from an alien, from an alien being that says, "Here, here's the technology. Play around with it," or there was another crash that we confiscated the technology from that we then back engineered it to work. So yeah. I don't know. And and understand, you know, we you you've you figured out now why Adam and I wanted to talk about this is because it is so fascinating, you know. But the reason it's fascinating is is not because we might believe that it actually happened. Um, it, it's it's not because that 
we think that the government has some kind of special technology that they're hiding. Um, for me, it's the idea that hoax, legend, you know, something just propaganda, just thrown out there and go, look, let it, let the people chew on this so that they don't really know what we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, what, whatever you, you may think, it's the fact that it has grown and persisted for decades. Yep. I mean, we're, we're, we're coming up on 80 years worth of this story. Now, fair enough that the, the story really didn't, didn't grow legs until sometime in the, in the seventies, you know, this, it, it, it kind of just was under the surface from 1943, you know, for the next 20, 30 years. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the book that Jessup wrote really kind of brought the whole story into the forefront and and that's kind of where it took off. But even then, if we're talking about, you know, a a story from the seventies, you know, it's still around. I mean, you can find numerous books talking about the Philadelphia experience. Yep. Some are, you know, some are like, look, this really happened y'all and we can there's people that are teleporting all over the globe and we just don't know it and and you can use this idea to explain a lot of weird things that have happened in the world and um and then there's books that are just that look at it very lighthearted there's fictionalized stories of it you know where they 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 take the idea of it and they go even further um you know and then there's then there's ones that are just like hey you know like like adam and i this is an amazing story and it needs to be told. And, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to find a little bit more information that would point you in the direction of, yeah, this was a hoax. Maybe it was something else. And this was the story they used to cover up what they were really doing. You know, it's just, it's just an incredibly fascinating story. And, and as we said, you know, the characters that came out of it, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, the book by Jessup, you know, this Carlos Allende, uh, and especially Al Bilek, um, you know, th- they are just amazing personalities. And and I direct you in the time travel episode to a YouTube video of Al Bilek just sitting at a desk talking to a camera for like two hours, mm-hmm. you know, telling this story. And it's just, you can look at his face and you're like, he's not making this stuff up. Right. He really believes it. He believes it 100%. Yep. Um, and it's, it, it's just amazing to me, man. Oh, I know. It's crazy. Now, you want to know something that could be even crazier, Matt? What's I that? Told you at the, I told you at the beginning that I've got a story that might knock your socks off. All right. So, now, first of all, I have to say there is no way that I'm able to validate that this story is true. But you can go to John Kettler's website to see it and to see a lot of other stories like it. Uh, John Kettler is a researcher, and and he documents a lot of interesting articles and stuff like that. Find his article or find his link to his website in our show notes. But if this story is true, then it proves that we are using the technology and the knowledge that we learned from the Philadelphia experiment today. So this happened in the 80s. 
There was a U.S. aircraft that remains unnamed, and it was being pursued by a Soviet spy trawler, a fishing boat that was outfitted with Soviet spy technology. And they do that all the time. I mean, the the Chinese government still does that today, mm-hmm. yep. where they get an undescript fishing trawler and they deck it out with spy gear so it can get into waters that a spy ship could not. Well, this aircraft carrier could not shake the boat after days and days of it following them. Now, the captain of the carrier thought, eventually, it'll need to refuel and turn back. But it never did. And that was weird because the carrier itself is nuclear-powered, so it can go on indefinitely. But the fishing trawler is gasoline-powered, so it would have to refuel. Yeah. But after days, it never turned around and kept following them. Well, the captain of the carrier decided that he had to initiate a secret technology that was aboard the carrier in order to lose the spy boat. So the captain looks down at the helm, he flips a switch, hits a button right below it, and the carrier vanished in an instant. It reappeared hundreds of miles away. Now the Soviets went into a panic. They were looking for the carrier everywhere. They turned on every bit of tracking gear that they had, and they eventually did find the carrier but they couldn't get caught back up to it because it was so far away. Now, the carrier had become invisible and then teleported. That sound like the Eldridge? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the captain apparently got his butt chewed out for activating the tech because no one wanted to let the Soviets know we had this technology yet. But okay, if this happened in the 80s, that's 40 years after... The Eldridge's time. So that would be 40 years of being able to develop the tech more and get it to where you're not fused into the ship when you, you know, get back right to visible. But according to this story, that happened. Now, like I said, I can't verify this at all, but that it's an amazing story. And I just, I wouldn't have been able to do this episode without saying that. Oh, yeah. I had to tell that story because if it's true, then the Philadelphia experiment is true. Right. But we can't verify it, so I don't know. Yeah, and we don't know. No, and I don't think we ever will. It's fun to imagine that it's possible. Mm -hmm. And, And man... You know, you can look, and and science has tried for so long to to figure out could could anything even remotely like this be possible? Right. And the funny thing is, is theoretically, science says that in some capacity, it could be. Yeah. You know, yep. it, it, we just haven't figured it out. We yet. just hadn't figured it out yet. Now, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, you know. You know, the idea of that a small inanimate object, you know, could maybe teleport a few feet, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, that's kind of what science says, look, okay, potentially, yeah, I mean, this, this could happen, you know, the, the molecule, we, we know how things are, are, are constructed, um, you know, this, this red rubber ball is made up of molecules, and, and if those molecules are somehow separated, and then reconstructed 10 feet away, you know, then 
then yeah, this this ball has teleported and in essence has mm-hmm. has traveled through time if that process took less time than it would if the ball was just simply pushed or thrown. So yep. you know, the the idea is there that maybe it's possible, but they they can't they can't say a hundred percent, yeah, we we could do this if Right. You know, we could do all these other things. But the idea that an entire aircraft carrier full of humans could do it at the touch of a button, mm-hmm. you know, to to escape. I just I, I look at this picture, at this story, and I think, OK, if we had this technology, why the hell aren't we using it a lot? You know? Right. You right. know, and two. What the hell was that that fishing troller made of that it had to refuel? What yeah, kind of exactly. technology does the Soviets have? They got nuclear-powered fishing boats. Yeah, right. No joke. <laughs> that was the other thing I thought, too, was how is this thing not, like, do they have extra stores of gas or what, some technology that we don't understand, turning seawater into gasoline or something, you know? Yeah, you you pan out into one of those big scenes, like it shows what's absolutely actually underneath the visible mm-hmm. part of an iceberg and you pull out and they've got like a shell station floating underneath them. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got a, a submarine that keeps coming below and refueling them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, but it's, it is, it's a fantastic story. I love it. I, I love yeah. it. You know, that- and you were talking about uh, like jumping a, a, an apple or something, you know, down a table a few feet. Um, We'll probably touch on some of this on next week's episode, which you'll find out what that is later. But, you know, we know or we theorize because we've kind of observed it happening on the quantum level that you get small enough and the particles really small don't really obey our laws of physics Mm -hmm. and they can be in two separate areas at the same time right mm-hmm. so you can you can have an atom here and an atom here and it's the same one but it's there both times right like yeah. all the time and because it it quantumly it doesn't work with our laws of physics so they theorize that if that can happen on that scale how do we pull that up into a larger scale to where we can teleport and move particles from one point to another point. So that's why they say it's theoretically possible. And we may touch on that next episode a little bit more in detail whenever you find out what it is. But, you know, do do you guys think the Philadelphia experiment actually happened? Do you think, or if it happened, how do you think it happened? Do you think it happened with the actual teleportation and people being fused? Do you think, yeah, there was a tech that was being developed, but it didn't, teleport them at all it it wasn't Uh, this right what do you guys think let us know you know uh, email facebook group call us and leave a message yeah um we want to know what you guys think because matt and i are still kind of on the fence about this and and i haven't heard any anything one way or the other that's made me say oh no it's a hoax or oh no it was actually legitimate and they're covering it up yeah I kind of, I kind of, I really believe that there's 
something in the middle. Yeah. You know, yeah. From from it being a 100% fabrication to being, hey, they just teleported uh, a daggum battleship from Philadelphia to Norfolk. Right. Somewhere in the middle, I think, is where the truth lies. But the thing is, is the truth may be crazier than what we really think. Right. Um, and, and that's right. what would be really cool to know. Um, but like Adam said, let us know what you think. And, and the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. We're adding new members to this group every day. And we've got some mm-hmm. of the best listeners out there. there. There's look, you get in the group, you're going to find, you know, discussions of, of weird occurrences. You're, you're going to find people recommending books and TV shows that follow along with the same stuff that we talk about on the show. You're, you're going to see some jokes and some humor because everybody loves Adam's dad jokes. And, and we get a lot of, it's just a lot of fun. And the coolest thing is, is it's a safe place. You know, you you come in there, you want to share something bizarre that happened to you or some crazy story that your grandfather told you from, you know, back in the 1950s or something like that. Yeah, I mean, here's a place to show, and nobody's going to bash you. You know, nobody, everybody just wants to hear those really great stories. And so this is a good place to get. And, and while you're doing that, you can slide over to our, our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can listen to the show. You can find out a little bit more about Adam and myself. You can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. And if you're watching the video, you can see I am wearing my brand new Eight bit yeah. graveyard tail skull Mike uh, shirt. Uh, it, Love it. I just I just got it yesterday. Um, you know, so really, really, really cool. Um, but you can get all the other logos. You can get uh, the the pulp uh, the pulp horror poster that you can see behind me. You can get our original skull Mike logo, um, and you can get just the traditional graveyard tales uh, written in the bloody script. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and you can get it on shirts and mugs and baby onesies and tapestries and posters and stickers. pillows and yeah, pillows, you know, get you a throw pillow. I think um, they have an iPhone case or something on there too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You get an iPhone case with it. Um, but you can also become a patron and we really do appreciate everyone that has donated to the show and so Adam and I are, are working hard to give back to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the videos are now available uh, for some of the upper tier Patreon members. You can see uh, all of our flubs and mistakes as we record the show. You can see videos of the Patreon episodes that we do. Um, but you, you, you can always get the audio for our Patreon shows and for this right. show in particular, we've got a you know a little bit more information about this character Al Bilek, uh in in a, a Patreon episode that's going to be dropping uh, shortly after this one does. So you know if you've been thinking about it and haven't pulled the trigger, now's a good time. Right. Um, but like we talked about earlier, please go and rate and review us on iTunes. It helps bring us up the chart and it brings more people into the graveyard. So. That's all I got, brother. Yeah, me too. All right. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. On a reunion of sailors who served on the... U- I, just, I just belched right in the microphone. <laughs> but uh, 